The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Working. Each week on This Is Working, we're talking live on LinkedIn with top voices like Bill Gates, Sarah Blakely, and Ray Dalio. Each of our guests is a leader who has made an outsized impact on how we live and work. They have guidance on how we can meet these profoundly unusual moments. We tackle issues head on and today is no different. Our guest is retired astronaut Scott Kelly. He shares his take on productivity, isolation, routine, and resilience. And I think resilience is probably the most important part. He arrives at This Is Working just in time. We recently did a survey of professionals to see how they were coping with life away from the office. More than half of Americans feel lonely working from home. Nearly everyone reported struggling with constant interruptions. Another body of research found that employees were talking about burnout almost twice as much in April as they did in March. So we're feeling it, and it's impacting productivity and workforce engagement. Scott Kelly has lived through all of these issues. He set the record for total days spent on a single space mission by an American astronaut, thanks to a nearly year-long mission. Over his career, he's logged 520 days in space across four missions. As you'll hear in our conversation, burnout towards the end of a long mission can be a big problem for astronauts. It's not unlike persevering through quarantine. I also thought he had great advice on what a manager needs to do to help the team through. And if Scott can do this from orbit, we can definitely do it down here. We reached Scott Kelly at his home in Houston, Texas. Here's our conversation. You know a thing or two about working in isolation. Would you offer some insight to people on just some of your tips for getting through a period where you are spending so much time alone or in a very unusual workspace? Throughout my career, my flights got progressively longer. My first flight was a week, my second flight two weeks, my third uh, 159 days, and, and my fourth flight nearly a year. And when I flew that flight for 159 days, when I got to like the last third of it, I realized that, you know, nearly six months in space is a really, really long time. And then, uh, you know, I got done with that mission and had the opportunity to fly in space for, um, you know, what amounted to almost a year. Uh, and initially I wasn't too excited about the prospect. Actually, I wasn't really even that interested in it. Um, but then I thought, you know, I wanted to fly in space again. Eventually, I got my head around the idea that, um, you know, spending a long time in space would be something that uh, would challenge me. And I was interested in, in doing it. Um, and but I didn't go into it blindly. I had uh, I had a plan. I had things I wanted to do, things I wanted to follow um, that would make this uh, experience easier for me. And it started with the fact that part of my mission was just to be there for a long time, which actually somewhat has parallels in what we're doing today in that, um, you know, we're all sharing this collective mission of combating this pandemic with our, with our actions and with, uh, you know, how we're living our lives. So I think the first part about doing anything like this is just recognizing how critically important it is and how our actions not only affect our own personal health or the health of our family, but the health of society in general. Um, so that was part of it. 
but I also had a plan. And my plan was to uh, pace myself. It was about following a, a schedule that was very varied um, in how it was constructed. Uh, you know, I had time scheduled for work, which when you are sleeping at your office, basically, like a lot of us are doing, I think we need to, you know, consider that, uh, you know, you're, you could easily get burned out, like you were talking about when you're, when you're going to sleep at work, when you wake up, you're still at work. So, uh, you know, schedule time in your day to take care of yourself, time uh, to do your work, time to take care of your environment, your house, uh, to consider, uh, you know, your resources that you have, uh, you know, time that is uh, <clears throat> a complete distraction from what uh, our current situation is, like a hobby, time for exercise, time to get outside, and then have your weekends different. You know, I encourage people that schedule, have a, a weekend on a schedule on the weekend that is different because you need to look forward to something, um, a change of pace, really. And then don't count the days. Um, I tried not to do that in space. And if uh, we do that here in this situation, it will serve no purpose. I actually really don't have any idea how long I've been in quarantine right now because I... Uh, don't even look at it that way. I just look at it like this is my life. I know it's Monday, I think, and the weekend is coming up and I'm looking forward to that. So maintaining a very structured schedule and a pace and not counting the days and understand the importance of what we're doing, I think is are some of the most important things to consider to get through this as easily as possible. Yeah, it's very interesting to think about not about keeping a schedule, but also not counting the days. Those things don't often uh, work together like that. I do want to talk to you about what you do when crises hit, when you are in isolation like you were. Your sister-in-law was shot while you were on the space station, your twin brother uh, at home coping with this. How did you get through that? What do you recommend to people on how they deal with situations that mm -hmm. they can't actually, they might be in quarantine, they can't leave their home, they can't go to the hospital. How do you, and you had to stay focused on work. You could never take any time off your work. So how do you do, what did you learn from that experience? So my uh, sister-in-law, uh, Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords, was shot in uh, Tucson, Arizona on January 8th, 2011. And I was, I was about halfway through my six-month mission. And, uh, you know, that's the worst, you know, the most challenging experience I've had in, in space, uh, dealing with um, that tragedy six other people were killed. I mean, it was a horrific thing. And, uh, but you know, my, my job was to be the commander of the space station at the time. So, you know, at first I, uh, it was, it was a huge distraction for me. Uh, but I recognized, and this is kind of something I've always sort of thought about with regards to my spaceflight career is that, you know, when, especially when you're like scared and worried about something. Um, sometimes, you know, being scared can kind of focus your attention, but yeah, I think you quickly need to get past that. And uh, the way I've always done it is by focusing on the things that I have control over and ignoring the stuff I have no control over. So, you know, in the case of Gabby, it was basically doing my job on the space station. I wasn't going to be able to come home to support my family. I knew that. 
And, uh, you know, I really needed to focus on that. And, you know, other times, as an example, you're getting ready to launch into space for the first time on the space shuttle, um, you know, the most complicated aerospace vehicle ever built, 7 million pounds of thrust uh, when those solid rocket motors light. And the first time you do that, it's kind of scary. And uh, you think about that. You think, hey, this is the last thing I might ever do. Uh, you know, but pretty soon you realize that thinking about that really does not help you. And focusing on the stuff you have control over is absolutely you know, essential, I think, to put the anxiety and fear uh, behind us. And I think that's analogous in this situation and ignoring the fact that we have no idea when this is going to be over. We have no idea, you know, what the effect long term on the economy is going to be. So, um, you know, trying to ignore that as best as we possibly can, I think, is, uh, you know, the best advice I could give. We've got a lot of questions coming in from members asking about how to take what you learned and apply it to their professional lives. John asked a great question. Are there tips for not getting provoked or provoking someone else with whom you're sharing close quarters with and you have no way to retreat or cool off? Well, I, I, I've never heard it put, put in those terms like provoking, but I, you know, living in close quarters with people for a long time is, is challenging. Um, and what NASA has always taught us in trying to teach us how to live in this kind of environment is you don't want little things, uh, little issues to become big issues. So I think it's important if, um, you know, you're having conflict with somebody to, uh, you know, talk it through, try to talk it through in a positive way, not a negative way, not, and, and do it early before things have the, uh, you know, the possibility of just getting worse. I've found that living in space in a shared environment, what I always try to do is always contribute, try to seem like you're contributing just a little bit more to the, uh, you know, the, 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 the common work that you have. Um, you know, on the space station, there's six crew members, uh, you do science, you do other things, but then there are those, um, uh, things that are those activities that is just, you know, cleaning and cooking and taking care of the, of the, of the place you're living in. And the crews that I've seen work the best is when, you know, everyone's just doing a tiny, tiny bit more than they think they're, than their share. Uh, you know, you don't want to do too much because then a lot of times that, you know, it leads to uh, issues down the road, or it leads to people thinking that, you know, maybe I, I'm not pulling my own weight. So everyone just doing a little bit more of the shared responsibilities, I think, helps to get some of that um, potential for, for conflict to, to go away. That's great. Do more than you expect to do, but don't do so much that you start taking on a load that you start feeling like people are taking advantage of you. Exactly. That's great. We got a number of people coming in and uh, have questions for you. So I'm going to bring one up here that came from um, that came from uh, uh, Mayumi, which is how do you get motivated in the circumstances where you were alone, where you sleep and work in the same space? You talked a little bit about this, but how do you stay motivated? I mean, after a while, doesn't it get to a point where you're like, same day, here it is, Tuesday again? First of all, I was never alone. Um, the most alone I've ever been in space was you know, besides doing a spacewalk when you're outside with another person, that, that feels a little bit you know, like you're alone. But 
uh, was me being on the space station for about six weeks with just two uh, Russian cosmonauts. Um, but the, I think the way you stay motivated is, you know, has to do with, with a schedule. And you can't maintain the same pace for, you know, an extended period of time. I had probably the longest I ever went without a day off might have been like three weeks on the space station. But generally, you know, we had one day on the, on the weekends off. And my uh, the way I was able to motivate myself was to look only as far as the day off. You know, I never tried to think, how many more days am I going to be doing this? When's the end of this? How many days do I have left? Um, because it wasn't helpful. You, When I started my year in space mission, I couldn't see the end from the beginning. It was so far away that I only really looked forward to, unless it was like for planning purposes, I only really looked forward to the weekend. And structuring your your weekdays differently than your weekends is critically important. And that's, I think, an easy thing to do. Even if you don't have the luxury of working from home, you can hopefully find things to do in your house or wherever you're quarantined, your apartment that seems like work to try to structure those uh, free days on the weekends differently. Yep. Uh, and one of those things that you have to do is develop all kinds of new skills. I mean, while you were in space, you were a botanist, a mechanic, a scientist, there's no one else to come and do these jobs. And I think a lot of us have found in quarantine that we are taking on roles and uh, developing skills that we haven't had to use before. What was your process for developing new skills? Well, like you said, you know, on the space station, you got to do all these jobs because you can't, you know, if the if the toilet breaks, you're not calling a plumber. Uh, so you, you do everything, but you're kind of trained that way. So, uh, and you know, part of our selection process is looking for people that have the ability to do, uh, you know, you might not be the expert on everything, but you're good at doing, uh, you know, most things and to just have those general kind of skills. You know, in, th in this situation, you know, I, I think we're lucky in that we have the internet. Imagine going through this pandemic in 1918 where uh, you had to isolate yourself with uh, very little ability uh, to connect with other people. I can't imagine that, but you know, there are skills you need. I'm sure there's very, uh, there's a lot of places to find them. Uh, probably maybe even on LinkedIn's website, you might have some, uh, training, uh, uh, videos or something to train people to do specific things. I don't know, but I'm sure you can find it out there. But in your process, do you, does NASA just work, walk you through every single skill they think that you might need to have while you were in space for every different contingency? Skill is the right word, but it's skills-based training. So they may not tell you how exactly to like fix every piece of hardware, but they will train you on how all the tools work, how to follow the procedure. Uh, so you have the skill, but you may not have seen the actual task before. Um, so you, yeah, you get training on, you know, medical training, you get training on, uh, you know, doing repairs on sophisticated electronics, uh, the electrical systems, the computer and IT stuff, the plumbing, um, the life support systems, all that stuff. But it's more generic skills-based versus specific task kind of training. Got it. Very general. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. 
In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Uh, when you are, you know, one of the things that you've talked about is the idea of just staying in communication with people and making sure that you are, you do what you you keep those bonds going no matter whatever you can, even if you can't always do them the way that you want to. Um, we had, uh, I want to point to some survey data that we have here about uh, effective managers and how important it is for them to be effective communicators. One of our surveys found that employees who felt their managers were ineffective communicators were 2.7 times more likely to use language signaling that they were burned out. That because they weren't hearing from their managers, they weren't hearing what they needed to hear, that people at home were feeling like they didn't have control and that they're they couldn't keep doing their job the way they've been doing it. Scott, I'd just love to understand from you how, when you were talking to Ground Control, you're talking to NASA, what do they do to make sure that you are not suffering from burnout? How were you able to make sure that, how did you rely on people on the ground to stay sane? And then how did you also check yourself to make sure that you weren't getting burned out? Um, so, yeah, you can get burned out in space when you're at the, in the same place uh, you know, for a long time. Um, the Russians actually uh, are big believers in this like third, uh, you know, the, the, the last, uh, 30% of a, uh, challenging, uh, situation when it's based on the duration of like how long you've been in space where I think there's actually even a word in Russian for it, where this kind of like space burnout you get. And, you know, for me, it was again pacing myself part of a, a of finding a schedule but when you talk about you know managers that aren't in contact with people i find myself in this situation just reaching out to my friends and staying in contact with them even though i do not have any kind of uh you know real requirement or responsibility to do this but i just recognize the challenge in this situation and when you have employees that are uh you know probably experiencing one of the most uh, challenging and significant things that they're doing in their lives is with regards to you know how their actions affect their own health and their 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 jobs and their uh, you know their families and the general public that um, yeah managers should be reaching out and checking on their people all the time because you know getting through this is is uh, you know, it's a, it's a team effort and letting people know that they are, uh, you know, that they're important and people care about them is, uh, you know, it's so important to me that I find myself doing that, even though, you know, these are not my employees, they're just my friends and I'm just making sure that they're okay. So, uh, you know, one thing I always did on the space station that I think helped is make the, 
the ground team um, or try to make them feel like they're part of the crew. And, uh, you know, they're just as important because they are. In some cases, they're more important. Uh, so, you know, that kind of idea that we're all in this together, bring people together, good leadership. And, uh, you know, I, I encourage any of your managers or leaders out there that are on this, this call to consider that. You know, it's all about just communication, you know, asking their opinion, asking what they think, asking how they're doing. You know, they're concerned with us in space. You know, how, how are we doing? How are they doing? You know, they still they're showing up for work every day, too. So uh, I, I think just general like interest in people's lives and being, you know, curious about uh, how they're dealing with this situation is uh probably, you know, really all they really have to do, just checking in with people is so, so critically important. Man, it seems so simple. Scott, we're getting a lot of really great comments and people really enjoying what you're saying. If anyone knows the Russian word that Scott was talking about for feeling like you're in space, if you could just write that in the comments, that'd be great. Um, we had a great question here from uh, Shreyas Nangalia. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your last name, Shreyas, or your first name. If you had to pick one new perspective about our planet, what would it be? What do you think from looking down from up high on us? Is there anything, one new thing that you, you picked up? Well, you know, seeing the earth from space is a privilege. It's incredibly beautiful. It's, uh, you know, when you look at our planet from uh, that vantage point, you don't see political borders like you do on a map. So, you know, the earth seems smaller than we generally think. We seem more connected. Uh, with one another from space. After this pandemic, however, you know, I realized just how connected we are where, you know, someone gets sick in, in China and then, you know, a couple of months later, you have a, a worldwide uh, pandemic like this is, uh, you know, just shows just how, for better or worse, we are all very much connected. And that's, you know, that's one of the things you learn in space is, People have referred to it as the uh, orbital perspective or overview effect, uh, you know, how your uh, perception then changes about humanity, but also about the planet and the environment. Because you see, you know, how fragile our Earth really looks when you're looking at it from space. All right. We had a couple people write in and just say how, uh, how much they identify with this. Paige said, I suffer from chronic depression and PTSD. My rescue pets keep me sane since I live alone. Family lives far away. Thank you for your input. Edward agrees that following a schedule is really critical to making uh, balancing work and life. And uh, Amir said the thing that uh, the thing is that in space you rarely hear bad news during your daily routine. So you know you're going through your daily routine. Someone is in charge of deciding what you get to hear. I assume that's true. You, 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 do you have control over what you can find out in space, or is it all coming? Is it all being fed to you? I'm kind of a news junkie, uh, and we do have the ability to watch live TV on the space station. Not uh, not available all the time, but uh, you know, probably about eighty percent of the time. So I, even during the workday, always had the news on, and I would uh, listen to it. It used to be the case, like on a shorter mission, where you have to be much more focused. Um, and when the technology didn't support it, yeah, the ground would kind of filter the uh, bad news. They kind of did that to me one one time on the space station when when Gabby was shot. They knew I had the TV on, and uh, they didn't want me to be like floating by the uh, 
uh, projector screen where we have, uh, you know, where I had the TV on over the uh, our dining room table on the space station. So they cut the feed until they could tell me. How themselves. do you think about what comes next for you? How, how how did you think about your life after being an astronaut? How have you managed whatever the second act is or third acts? How do you how do you think about your career that way? Well, you know, it was it's challenging because I I've been so fortunate throughout my my life. I found some inspiration to fly in space when I was 18 years old, and that was through uh, Tom Wolfe's book, The Right Stuff. I um, you know went on to become a fighter pilot in the Navy, a test pilot, later an astronaut, flew in space 18 years late. I read Tom's book at 18. Flew in space 18 years later, had an incredible, you know, 20-year career at NASA. And then I left. And, you know, it's a challenging thing when you change um, roles, when you had the best job you'll ever have to leave it is not easy. But, you know, at some point you got to move on. And that's that's what I did. Uh, yeah, but staying motivated is definitely a challenge. And yeah, I think you just need to find, always be looking for that next uh, next thing, whatever that may be for you. Our thanks to Scott for sharing so much of what life is like on and off this planet. We appreciate his guidance on how to get through these really difficult times. So what ways are you finding to be resilient? Let us know. And I have a special request also from this interview. Scott mentioned a Russian term for cosmonaut burnout on long missions. We searched around and tried to figure out what it is, and I'm not sure we got it. Is it cosmic asthenia, cosmic tiredness? Does it just not quite translate? If you're a Russian speaker or just a cosmonaut fan, would you mind tagging me on LinkedIn? Use the hashtag thisisworking and let us know what Scott was talking about. To get more news and insights, you can also follow our main LinkedIn page, which you can find by searching for LinkedIn News. Please take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps listeners find the show. This is Working as a Production of LinkedIn. The podcast was produced by Sarah Storm and Madison Schaefer with help from Michaela Greer. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original video and audio. Dave Pond is our technical director. I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Stay strong. See you next week. 